Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Today is July 24th, 2015. You are watching Tokyo on Fire. Today's burning issue is the Tokyo Olympics. Recently, the Prime Minister has announced the cancellation of the grand stadium that would host the opening and closing ceremonies of the 2020 Olympics. This is a pretty big deal, and it's had reverberations throughout Japanese politics and throughout the political circles in Tokyo. Before we get into the burning issue today, I'd like to thank everyone for watching Tokyo on Fire and telling their friends about it. We are approaching 10,000 individual views of Tokyo on Fire, and we have more than 100 subscribers. This is terrific news to us. We started this as a lark about six months ago. This is our 20th episode. The numbers continue to grow. We really appreciate that, and we appreciate you voting with our effort by providing comments and suggestions to us. Today's burning issue, once again, is the Tokyo Olympics. I'm joined by my host, Michael Chuchek. Michael Chuchek is adjunct professor at Sofia University. He's teaching politics. He's also the author of the foremost blog on Japanese politics. It's called Shisaku. Michael Chuchek, thank you for joining me. It's great to be back. Our issue today, the burning issue, is the Tokyo Olympics, and in particular, the stadium for the grand opening. A lot has happened over the last seven days, hasn't it? Well, we were talking about this just offhand, and I said, well, it's, it, it's, it's, there's no way out for the prime minister on this. And, and gosh darn, he saw the same thing. Mm -hmm. And as you're right, as we were recording last week, the announcement came out that he was going to, as he said, put, put it on a brand new blank sheet of paper, right. starting from a complete zero,、uh, which, of course, is first gutsy. But also really expensive.、Mm -hmm. And for him to do that shows the, the really the depth of the, the, the problem that they were suffering from. Right. Your prediction was made in the context of our burning issue, which was a discussion about the LDP.、Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, his numbers were beginning to dive. dive、yeah. and, and there was a, a, a junction where his approval rating and his disapproval rating had actually eclipsed each other, and he was. Mostly in disapproval territory. Yeah, that that's not always a danger sign for prime ministers. A lot of prime ministers have served for a whole bunch of months. Even the great Koizumi served for a whole bunch of months below 40%. But nevertheless, it was the first time since Abe in his second, in his second term went below. And he had, a, if you did the sum of the two, you had a negative number.、Mm -hmm. So that for him. Is a real danger sign because he's, he's operating in a very special environment where he has no rivals.、Right. So, that all bad news is really bad news. It's not that he can say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm. I'll pick and choose. Yeah, it's just, yeah. in this case, he, 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 the, the, the,、uh, when the country says no to him, they are uh, really uh, upset with something. Right. Because they don't have a real choice. And that, for, for the longest time, the reason that I'm being incoherent, but the, for the longest time, the reason he has been so popular, the number one reason when they ask people in the polls is we can't think of anybody else who can be prime minister. Well, it, and geez, if you have nobody to compete against and your poll numbers start going down, you're、mm -hmm. blowing it. Well, I think that's also mostly the situation. For other prime ministers, too, nobody really wants to compete with the current standing prime minister. And only when an election comes up, all of a sudden you see a couple of people who you've, you've seen, you've followed, they've had ministerial portfolios before, but you never thought of them in the context of 
being a prime minister, and then it happens. But here's the issue. The prime minister is not really very charismatic, but he is very astute. Yeah, he's astute, but he, he's done some things, trying to cut some corners. Mm -hmm. The biggest corner was done last year, in July, on July the 1st, when he and the cabinet approved the revamping of the understanding of the Constitution as regards collective security. Right. What had been previously unconstitutional, they by fiat declared constitutional. It's been backpedaling ever since on that decision. Not, not going back on it, but never, nevertheless trying to deal with the public dis mistrust, distrust, and event now almost contempt as regards the, the legislation necessary to make that decision happen. And we have watched his poll numbers slide all through this session, which has been dominated mm -hmm. by the, sec the security legislation. There's lots of things to do, having to do with social legislation, having to do with medical legislation, all kinds of things having to do with the so-called third era, whatever right. happened to that. Instead, it's been 24 hours a day, nonstop security legislation, and the people becoming more and more inconfident mm -hmm. in Abe's leadership as he spent hour after hour, and, he, and his minister spent hour after hour explaining this legislation. Mm -hmm. They just simply didn't buy it. And so this problem involving the stadium, which we can get into how they got into that problem. But when that came up, he, he had to make some kind of bold gesture, I think. Okay. Perhaps this is a little bit of a self-serving statement and it's made mostly for viewers or potential viewers, but that's one of the great things and one of the things we're trying to achieve here on Tokyo on Fire is to talk about different issues that might, in isolation, not seem to have an influence on things that are happening politically or economically, but when views in a whole context, yes, they all are interrelated. Here we are talking about the stadium, and already we've, we've barely talked about the stadium, but we're talking about the political issues. And the politics is so intertwined with what goes on here. I mean, it's a central government. The whole nation of Japan is basically guided out of, out of Tokyo and the ministries here, so it's a really neat and interesting mix. Yeah, but it's still very much a parliamentary system. And for, for a prime minister in a parliamentary system, power can turn on a dime. Mm -hmm. You can be the, the, the cock of the rock one day, and then the next day, you're just a chicken out on the, on the farm. They can just put you out in, a, in just a, I mean, Margaret Thatcher is being put out by your own fellow conservatives, mm -hmm. is, is the classic model. And that's something I'm fairly sure that Abe looks at all the time. People talk about him looking at Kishi, his, grand, his grandfather, looking at Sato, his great uncle, mm -hmm. taking clues about leadership from them. I see him looking all the way across the continents over to England and looking at Maggie Thatcher uh -huh. and saying, that's a conservative, she served a long time and she blew it in the end mm -hmm. and I'm not going down that way. So he's, he's got a problem in terms of the security legislation, but when he sees that we're at an impasse, he makes a decision and gets out of it right. instead of just dragging it on. Well, I, I don't know if, if it's accurate to say that the pendulum has kind of reached its apex. It's starting to come back now in terms of the difficulty he's going to have inside the parliament and with the general population with regard to security legislation. It seems to me that he took this decision on the stadium because he was at his apex and now he needs to, he needs to guide the population, the, the, the public sentiment, back down towards 
where he, uh, he feels like he wants to take Japan. He has the votes in the House of Counselors to pass the legislation fully, but he has to go through the theater of having the legislation debated again, and it's going to cost him even more personal popularity, more political capital to go through this, what is essentially a charade. Wasn't the, the, the most bitter pill, though, already taken out and swallowed, or is there more, more fireworks that we can anticipate that's far worse than it was two weeks ago? We don't know, because we don't know how this decision on the national stadium will affect the atmosphere inside the diet. Sharks smell blood. And it's strange that it in fact did, didn't it? Yeah. Who would have thought? But the thing is, well, any sign of weakness, mm -hmm. you know, will immediately get people a little bit excited. They'll put a little, get a little bit shaky, a little bit, a, a little bit anticipatory about what could, yeah, and what, could be, what could be going on. Mm -hmm. we're, we're asked in a few weeks ago, if we asked this question, we said he, he's in for the next three years. Mm -hmm. uh, they start you know, sniffing the air. Now, right. that's going to happen, and the, the newspapers are going to continue to pound him as they have been pounding him mm -hmm. throughout the entire uh, extended session. The outcome is decided. The, the, both the ruling parties have came to a decision over a year ago. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the way we're going to go. We're just going to put on the political show to, for a semblance of democracy. He already uh, committed to the U.S. Congress when he was there. That's it will right. be done this summer. Yeah, and, and boy, did he get, catch a lot of flack for that, that even before the legislation was introduced, he promised it its contents to the United States Congress. You do some things, yeah, but you, you try to do them the right way. Right. You know, of course, the, the eventual outcomes that Japan needs to get out of this are... It's, it needs a much more robust defense than it mm -hmm. has now. But the way he's gone about it set up this cycle whereby his own popularity would be eroded. He, now, taking that idea of responsibility, let's talk about how he set up the situation involving the stadium. Okay, first of all, let's just kind of encapsulate where we are with the Tokyo Olympics and why the Tokyo Stadium is such a big issue. The stadium is such a big issue, first of all, because they've destroyed the old one. Yes. It's, it's completely flattened, it's a, it's a bare piece of ground. So there's no going back. Well, initially the idea was let's revamp it, let's maybe uh, reconstruct something so that it can fit maybe 80,000 people. That's right, and, and then they looked at it and they said no. So then they have the competition, uh, they put out a competition. When I say they, there was a special committee that was established in 2012. Uh, so it's, it actually predates Mr. Abe's time mm -hmm. in the prime ministership. And they had a subcommittee of architects go over all kinds of designs. And it was the subcommittee of architects and its leader, the great uh, Ando Tadao, the great architect of here, here in Tokyo, who came up with the idea that they would use this design, this, this, the bicycle helmet, as they call it, when they're being nice, uh, by um, Zahad Hadid who is uh, based in the UK. And it's very interesting, the uh, set of architects, all the non-Japanese architects who were on the committee all came from the UK as well. So it, it, may, it may have been simply because London was the last Olympics, mm -hmm. or it may have been other things as well that led to, to Hadid's being chosen. Be it as it may, that decision was handed to the committee and the committee then submitted it to 
the Japan uh, Sports Council and also to the Ministry of, uh, of Education, which is in charge of sports. And eventually when Mr. Abe came into power, he had to appoint the committee that was going to be in charge of the Olympics. After Japan won the Olympics in the competition that occurred between it, Madrid, and Istanbul, where Mr. Abe very publicly and very, very intensely went and gave his famous everything is fine at, at Fukushima speech that earned him a lot of scorn back home. You know, it's under control was the term that he right. used. Uh, having done that, putting all his capital on the line and winning it and bringing it back, he then set up the Olympic Committee. Now, he's, he picked everybody on it. And it was the first two persons that he picked was first Mori Yoshiro, his former, uh, his former faction leader head, and also former prime minister, who is a big rugby fan. Yes. And uh, Mr. Mr. Mori, as it turns out, was trying to not only get the Olympics, but also get to make sure that the, uh, there'd be a national stadium for the opening of the Rugby World Cup in 2019, which Japan is also hosting. Right. And then he gave the, the vice presidency to another man, Mr. Muto, who has twice been failed as a candidate as the, for the head of the BOJ. These two gentlemen are both above 75 years of age. In fact, Mr. Mori is above 80. And in picking the rest of the committee, Mr. Abe similarly picked persons in their late 70s, early 80s, ex with one exception, the head of Toyota, Akiya Toyota. And it was an extraordinarily, conf well, you know, it's, what's he doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, these, these, these folks have, you know, lots of connections to the, the, the business community. And yeah, that's man. what they're going to be doing is they're going to be hitting up people for money. But, you know, you need some young blood. You need some women. But there was nobody but old men on the committee. Well, you also need to escape the suggestion that it's a part of payback. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. it didn't. Yes. <laughs> it didn't escape that. And surprise, surprise, they, mm -hmm. they have not been proactive. They have not been capable of handling a, the situation. And they have not been able to provide leadership. Instead, it's just they've, it's like they're just receiving reports and stamping them. Okay, once again, we can't divorce the p political from what's going on in reality on the, on the, uh, the Olympic level. So let's talk about the, the release of the numbers, what the stadium is now going to cost, and how that message was delivered, and who it was revealed will be sharing this cost, because that all of a sudden now, the, the mayor of, uh, the governor of Tokyo and the minister of education, now they are at uh, they're probably not even it's on speaking terms. Oh, they certainly aren't on speaking terms, especially after the many of the things that the, Mr. Masazoe, the governor, has said about Mr. Shimomura, the minister. Right. Very recently, too. Uh, and yes. Very recently, but he, uh, some of them have been really choice, mm -hmm. uh, saying that the uh, behavior of the Olympic uh, Committee and the ministries is entirely reminiscent of the way that Japan fell into war into 1930s. Nobody taking any responsibility and, no, and the decisions just making themselves, the costs piling up. Comparing it to pre-war Japan. It's inflammatory. It, a it, little bit. But, uh, but it's, there's some truth to it too. I mean, one of the, the major complaints about the Liberal Democratic Party is that it is so heavy handed and it's always got its fingers in the bowl. 
Yeah, in this case, but in this case, there's a difference between having your fingers in the bowl and being responsible for the mm -hmm. bowl. And in this case, the big bowl of the, of the stadium. Uh, the design was, first of all, it, it's, it was immense. And it was immense because, not because it really needed to have 80,000 spectators. The, the uh, Olympic, International Olympic Committee doesn't have an absolute number sure. of folks that it needs to for the stadium to fit. All those decisions were made out by ancillary groups. And recently, someone actually counted up all the different requests that came in to the organizing committees that were deciding which designs would be appropriate, and they counted out 128 completely superfluous outside things where um, the music or music organizations wanted to make sure there would be certain items in it that had for con musical concerts, acoustics, the acoustics, right. the, how, how the roof would be constructed, right. out of what materials. All these things were just piled in and the, the costs were just soaring, but no one really was in charge and no one was really paying attention. So that the it's, it's very much the same situation the United States finds with some of its military hardware, right. where, foot, where different services and different people keep adding in their own desired little doodads and, 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 and gimcrack ideas, and so that the eventual thing is just loaded down. That's, this isn't strange. I mean, this happens at every Olympics, doesn't it? But the it? thing is, you have, if you have someone who's in charge, that person can make decisions. There was no one in charge. So all decisions were equally valid. Mm -hmm. And so all design changes were equally valid. All design goals were equally valid. Unsurprisingly, the price went from 1.3 billion US dollars to 2.1 billion US dollars, making it the most expensive stadium ever, ever, ever. And part of that cost rise is due to these extra widgets and, 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 and desires that people have tacked on. Part of it is due, of course, to Abenomics, where the economy has perked up prices of concrete, prices of steel, the prices workers, of workers. We were, we were talking in on, uh, we, one of our issues on Tokyo on Fire was the depopulation and now the number of workers who can actually pour concrete or bend steel. Yeah, who would have ever thought that there weren't enough construction workers right. in the country? Uh, now there is, and, and the cost, co and the cost that just up. brings the cost up and up and up and up. So that when the number was finally told to uh, Mr. Masazoi by Mr. Shimomura. There was a pause, there was a silence in the room, wasn't there? Yes, this is what it costs, and this is what the people of Tokyo will pay. This is your portion, but it was always understood that there would be a portion, yeah, proportional the, sharing. Because it is the Tokyo Olympics, mm -hmm. yeah, but when Mr. Masazoi found out how much the cost of the stadium had risen, and he's, I mean, he's very astute. Mm -hmm. uh, he's already, he, he already put his, his reputation on the line in terms of saying, okay, it's not gonna be the compact Olympics. Because the design changes to the stadium, the, the stadium problems were only part of what's been wrong with the Olympics. The, the first thing that got scrapped was the uh, whitewater canoeing site which was going to be placed on what is a bird sanctuary. And the bird watchers fought back and got that canceled. And he started moving things out of Tokyo. Mm -hmm. As venue after venue became too expensive or disruptive to various neighborhoods, the idea of a compact Olympics with everything within eight kilometers got blown apart. So that now we have things, we're gonna have things down in Kanagawa, we're gonna have the sailing in Inoshima, not inside Tokyo Bay. We're going to have games 
some things being played in Saitama Prefecture. He, he's gone on, he, he sold part of his reputation in saying, well, yeah, it's compact, but you have to think of compact not geographically, but in terms of time. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you were taking a train. If it's as long as it's within 30 minutes train distance, which in Japan can be quite fast, yes. quite distant because trains can be quite fast, then, then it's still compact, mm -hmm. theoretically. Uh, and so he already you know, took a lot of flack for that, for that, that flip around, right. even though he wasn't really responsible for it, but he still he was playing fast and loose. Mm -hmm. When the costs on the stadium came through, he said, I don't know. Yes. Well, it's not just the stadium, though, is it? I mean, originally the dream and the, the goal of this Olympics was to have it basically centered on Tokyo Harbor. It was going to be a compact Olympics. It was going to be contained within the Tokyo um, Harbor. I mean, it's you can live in Tokyo all your life and never really realize that it's a port city. Mm -hmm. I mean, it oh, is, sure. yeah. the, the water and the the riverways and the harbor is not well integrated into the city, even though it's just a stone's throw from, for example, Ginza, where we frequent all the time, Shinbashi, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. So I think the, the, the focus on the water is a, a, a really wonderful idea. No Olympics has really been focused like that on a, on a harbor. And it, Except for Sydney. Well, okay. let's, let's be fair with that. Let's, okay. let's give Sydney its it, 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 due. Well, it, but the thing about the Tokyo Olympics and having it centered on the water, it creates a, a, an opportunity for watercraft. And, and Toyota is big time into creating new types of transportation, water taxis, large, large watercraft yeah. that can move, that are people movers. So it, it, the, the economic potential of of kicking Japan once again uh, into the future exists and it's, it's very palatable. I mean, oh yeah, and the, certainly the the idea of developing the the uh, what were formerly warehouse areas mm -hmm. out on these artificial islands and transforming them finally into residential areas. That a lot of that's already happened, but there still are vast areas that are still underdeveloped, mm -hmm. and the city basically was holding those in reserve for this kind of... For years and years. years I mean, it's, it's almost astounding how massive that area is and how undeveloped it's yeah, been. Yeah, and then they've been holding off on that for precisely this kind of purpose. And it looked good. Mm -hmm. It looked really, really very, very convincing. But that plan has fallen, has fallen apart. Not entirely, but nevertheless, the venues are going to be spread around, as they are in most Olympics. Right. Uh, the, the furthest it's going to be is out in Inoshima, which is it's an, an hour's train ride, basically. Unless, I don't know, you, maybe you'd be taking the Shinkansen or the Odakyu line. There, you might be able to make it in 50 minutes or something, but not much difference. But now we have... Okay, we, we, we've, we've, we've played fast and loose with our story about the compact Olympics. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a matter, matter of dishonesty versus honesty in terms of, of the story of the Olympics. Uh, now, the story of the Olympics is the stadium. And everybody around the world now knows. Now, we don't have a dictatorship. We don't have the situation that they had in Sochi where it didn't matter what the costs are. Right. And the, the abomination of the cost of the Sochi Olympics, both in terms of social disruption, but also just basically in terms of, of cash, uh, that can't take place, which is one, one really nice thing. But 
it's possible that for Olympics, you really actually need to do it in a dictatorship because mm. they'll, they'll spend whatever is necessary to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, they don't have that capacity, and the governor, Mr. Masazoe, uh, who was elected with Komeito and LDP support, uh, he doesn't get along with the government at all now. Well... What happened in Sochi is not going to and cannot happen here in Tokyo. I mean, there's just, there's too much value to be had. There's too much pent-up desire. And I think globally there is a um, a wish to see Japan resurrect itself and, and relaunch itself. I mean, the robotics and the transportation system, it's world-renowned. And the fact that Japanese food, no matter where you go in Japan, is clean, it's inexpensive, it's almost invariably delicious. No, the, 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 the attractions of the country will play a part in the Olympics. But there's, there's a weird dynamic going on. Mm-hmm. When the Abe administration started to really pursue this and put everything it had into the pursuit of this project, the, there was a real sense around the country that this was going to, to be a revolutionary moment. Right. In the same way that the 1964 Olympics were bringing Japan back into the world community, that bringing Japan back, and, and, and bringing Japan back was one of, is one of Abe's slogans. Mm-hmm. And this whole process was supposed to bring the, the country back into a greater, a, a greater global travel but, and tourism sphere. Funny thing is, you know, the cheap yen seems to be doing that just fine. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the value of the yen has dropped because of the massive expansion of the BOJ's balance sheet. And surprise, surprise, tourism is, is, tourism is way, booming, way up right now. Yes. And it looks like it's going to be go- continuing to grow. So much so that there is a real concern that the Olympics will mean a real drain upon or a real strain upon the city of Tokyo in terms of not just its infrastructure, but things like like hotels, Mm -hmm. places for people to stay. And that has now become the issue. Where where in this new environment where Japan is on its own becoming a tourist destination, this extra layer of of, uh, folks, how will they be accommodated? That's, that's not even being dealt with mm-hmm. right now. And the, that's, the one thing that has been surprising in this whole process is the incredibly lackadaisical pace. Mm-hmm. You, they've, they won the Olympic Games. Less than five years away. Yeah. They won the Olympic Games, and for the first year, they barely even you know, lifted, a, a, I don't know, a pencil or tapped on a, a keyboard. It was just, mm-hmm. what's happening? They kept announcing, of course, the formation of new committees. And this so-and-so is on this committee, and so-and-so is that committee. And then you'd see the video of people standing around cheap or sitting around cheap desks, and the camera would pan from one to the other, and, wow, we were supposed to be impressed by this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's all that we saw. Well, actually, though, I mean, in the harbor area, I mean, if you're crossing the Rainbow Bridge, there was, you could see a lot of land just being cleared, these uh, massive warehouses were disappearing and you were finally realizing how much space and how much flat land was was available there. And uh, boy, the Tokyo Harbor really became something of a, a sparkle. I mean, not a sparkle in, in terms of, of a jewel, but a sparkle in terms of 
look at all that land. And in a place like Japan, open land is, is really rare to see. Well, it's at least certainly in the center of the city. Sure. And this is a lot of anticipation, but not a lot of action. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the def, and you keep wondering, where was the Peter Uberoth? Where was the person who was going to be pushing this as a personal project? Yeah. There was no one person upon which anybody focused in terms. Yes, they appointed a minister of the Olympics, but they appointed him just this last June, mm -hmm. after more than, a, you know, more than a year and a half after all of this had supposedly had begun, they finally get to the point where somebody's going to be in charge of it inside the government. Uh, well, and that is if, if you discount Mr. Abe himself, who is the official person in charge of the government, Kante Hombu, this headquarters, for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. He is actually the person supposedly directly the in charge. Advisor? He's the supreme person in that, yes. in that group. Uh, and it didn't, I guess he got distracted by other things because there was just no movement. Well, it could be perhaps, and maybe this is just a... Um I don't know, a discussion that, that we can have fruitfully. The fact that there is no one person responsible, that means that everybody can kind of go willy-nilly and invite their friends or make sure that their particular nest is packed and the money, it will come from somewhere and let's hope that nobody asks the hard questions. And as a result of that, nobody really wants to be the person. And once again, here in Japan, nobody really likes to be the person to say, I'm going to take this to conclusion and I'll be responsible for it. I'll stake my career on it. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure there are people who want to do, there are individuals who want to do that. Mm -hmm. But would they be allowed to do that? And certainly would Mr. Abe pick that person? Those are different questions. We've seen in his, he makes certain choices really well. His choice of, Chief Cabinet Secretary Suga has been masterly. Right. Because Mr. Suga has been, he's quiet and yet forceful, consigliere, right-hand man, however you want to put it, has managed the government, has been the credible and yet at the same time kind of scary uh, uh, spokesman for the government that has made sure that all the ducks are all lined up and everything is in a row and very nice. Mm -hmm. He's done a great job. At the same time, Mr. Abe has a record of picking the absolutely worst cronies. The people he picked to the board of, the, of NHK, including this terrible author, Hyakta Aoki. What an embarrassment. Just every time that man opened his mouth, it was another rightist, almost caricature, right-wing psycho thing that he would say about this person, that person, you know, after the great uh, Doi Takako died insulting her memory, you know, she was, that she sold out the country. She, oh, my goodness, you, you, there were people who were very upset by that. Um, you know, There's just an incredible disconnect. He, mm -hmm. had, he, he, he makes some good appointments and his cabinet have been very, very solid. Yeah. But he, when he's been able to pick private uh, groups like head of NHK, like some of his advisory commissions in terms of, let's say, the third era reforms. It's just full of what can only be called cronies. Let's, let's, on following on that, let's talk just a little bit about former Prime Minister Mori, who is the head of the Olympic Committee and one of uh, Mr., uh, well, actually, Mr. Abe was his protege because he was the leader of the Seiwakai, the political faction. faction yeah. Right. Um, 
you know, uh, with the uh, 2019 uh, Rugby World Cup coming, and uh, Mr. Mori being a, a former rugby player, and he's a, he's a lover of the sport, he goes to a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought for sure that his dual position there would benefit, you know, the Rugby World Cup as well, which is pretty exciting, and it's it, and it's great that, you know, Japan is a host. Mm-hmm. But now it looks like that is completely gone. What an embarrassment that must be for him. It's an embarrassment. You think well, that would have pushed him. Mm-hmm. But what did he say when he was asked, you know, who is ultimately responsible? He said, oh, that guy. Over there. Right. You know, that guy, not me. No, right. no. I, 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 you know, I was just, you know, the head. I was not the, you know, in charge of anything. Right. Goodness gracious, you know. This, this was the time when you say, you know, I'm the, I'm the chairman. Mm-hmm. It's my... You know, I blew it. Well, it was the same thing when we, uh, when the the architect was asked to please explain the numbers, and he went up there and he said, "Look, I I don't know how these numbers came up, but this is what happened. This was a process, and I'm just you know I'm getting reports from everybody else. I'm an architect, but I don't know how that happened." Yeah, and this was the thing. The thing is, is that this particular administration, and in fact the LDP, in trying to win back. Uh, Japan in mm-hmm. the, in 2012 in that election argued forcefully that Japan needed adult supervision mm. that it needed responsible people back in power not these amateurs of the DPJ right and they kept pounding away on the amateurs they don't have any experience they don't know how to run things we need to be back okay well you now you're back right what are you doing we're from the government yeah. Uh, uh, in this case, we're from the government and we're here to, to, to uh, well, we're the drinks, you mm-hmm. know. It's been just, in some cases, the, the lack of action. And certainly people in the finance community can say probably the same thing about the third arrow reforms. Lots of talk, lots of various and sundry groups being put together, but when, it, when you look at the, the output, the output really stinks. Mm-hmm. And it's big, it's out of control. And that, if you looked at the list of third arrow reforms that were offered uh, last year in June, you know, over 200 different items, yeah, that's, that's showing you have concentration on, on the essential. Right. Oh, come on. Yeah. And here we are a year later in terms of the national stadium. It's too big, it's too expensive, nobody's in charge. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's the same story all over again. As a segue, let's talk how that impacts regular Japanese voters, the people on the street, athletes, people who are training for the 2020 Olympics. It looks like, you know, suddenly, just last week, in fact, probably Wednesday or or Thursday of last week, all of a sudden it seemed to hit a chord and now people are really up in arms about uh, the stadium design, that, that it's not going to be this stadium, it's going to be another stadium, it costs this much money, we're not going to do it this way. And um, it caused an awful lot of uh, consternation. Well, it certainly caused a lot of people to post lewd photographs on, on Twitter of various ways that you could abuse the stadium. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the design, okay, it was huge. It was built in, well, it was designed in order to make a statement that mm-hmm. Tokyo has arrived as a city of the 21st century and it's going to be a city of the 22nd century too. Mm-hmm. It's going, it, it was way out there in terms of, of its contours, way out there in terms of its, its mass, in terms of the design, these gigantic arches that were to arch over presented immense difficulties and immense costs 
in terms of the, the just the in, in the entire dealing with the mass of concrete that would be necessary for the thing to hold together. And it, the, when you are seriously outbidding the Chinese with their famous bird's nest stadium, that crazy concatenation of all those pieces, steel beams, when you are way, way above them, there's something seriously wrong mm -hmm. that has happened. And something seriously wrong has happened. But I, I feel for the athletes, this has got to be devastating for them because so, many, so much of, of uh, the Olympic movement is focused now on the 2020 Olympics. Not so much as not about Rio de Janeiro right. and, and appearing there. It's about 2020. And that's got to hurt. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly going to hurt sponsorship. It's going to hurt the image of the Olympics. And if Mr. Abe does not get control of this, and it, let's face it, it's on his... It's on his agenda. He, he can't just let it go again because that's how he got into this problem, was by giving responsibilities to others who didn't take responsibilities upon themselves. Well, it's a foregone conclusion that there, we will have the Olympics. There will be a stadium. The Rugby Cup will be held in Tokyo. I mean, well, it might be held in Yokohama, which might, you know, temporarily give Tokyo a free pass. Okay. Because the, the really big stadiums are, are well, just the Ajinomoto Stadium out by beyond Chofu, there's the Saitama Stadium, and then there's the Yokohama. And most likely in terms of transportation, everybody's going to say, we need to do it in Yokohama. Mm -hmm. Because the other stadiums are, are served only by a very few, very uh, small number of train lines. Right. Well, once again, the dynamics and the dramatics that we saw over the last couple of days, I mean, Olympic athletes crying on TV about, you know, how, how this could be done to us. And well, we're so let down as as a, as a nation to in preparation for the Olympics. I, I don't know if that was altogether uh, fair or justified, but the fact of the matter is that that whole stadium now is going to be completely redesigned, and they're going to start from zero. Yeah, and who knows what it's going to look like? Most likely to be smaller, probably be circular, something boring, mm. uh, because we have to make a schedule and we have to do it within a reasonable budget. So it's not going to be a statement. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be a filling in a requirement. You know, we're going to tick off a box. Stadium, need it, click, yep. and that's it. And so in that regard, it redefines the Olympics. And it does seem to indicate that Mr. Abe, who was really looking forward to uh, being the shepherd of it, might think twice now about too close an association right. with the whole thing. And, and maybe handing off more and more of it to Masazoe. Uh, he, Mr. Abe clearly hoped that it would be some kind of jet fuel uh, in his uh, political life, that there would be constant new announcements about the Olympics and that would be all be positive news. Instead, it's all been negative for the most part. Uh, and uh, when it hasn't been tremendously boring. This really is a, um, a sudden turn of events. I mean, who would have thought that something like this would have happened. I think probably the construction companies, a lot of the political bigwigs, uh, a lot of the movers and shakers thought that they might be able to just motor this one through. Who is going to deny that we finished this stadium? It's already on the boards. We've already committed billions of yen for the design, for the advanced um, payment for 
uh, construction materials, this is already going down the line. It's already gone. Yes. It's, not, it's not going down the line, it's gone. It's never coming back. That money is already spent and it's not gonna be used for the, the stadium. Mm -hmm. uh, that reckoning hasn't happened yet. Right. But in terms of where we go from here, the Olympics are gonna be behind schedule. And okay, if there's anybody who can pull it out, it'll be, be Japanese, but it shouldn't sure. be this way. Right. It shouldn't have been without adult supervision. And, and let us be fair, Mr. Mori has a history of being unable to take responsibility, unable to make the decisions. The reasons he was eventually thrown out of power was the, his egregious misconduct in the case of the Ehime Maru sinking by the USS Greenville, mm -hmm. where a uh, USS submarine sub surfacing under the control of civilians uh, blasted through a Japanese fishing training vessel with high school students and their teachers on it that was about to start a great holiday in, 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 in Hawaii. Hawaii. Right. Uh, instead, uh, nine of them were killed. Uh, and Mr. Mori, when he was informed that this accident had happened, was informed on the golf course. And he went on and finished his round of golf. Mm -hmm. He didn't leave the course. That was the end for him. That mm -hmm. was it. No, no one was going, he could not be leader of the country anymore. And that gave momentum to the insurgent campaign that eventually brought a completely new kind of leader mm -hmm. in Koizumi Junichiro, who would have never ended on the old system. So, so Mori has been an agent of revolution in the past and an agent of irresponsibility or if you can be an agent of irresponsibility, it's sort of a, 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 an oxymoron. But he's been, he has a record of, of, of flubbing it. Yes. And yet he was put in charge of the Olympics. The person who's responsible for that is Abe Shinzo. Right. So let's kind of wrap this up and talk about what it means now. I mean, the Tokyo Olympics will still be held in 2020. What is it going to look like? And will it be a compact uh, Olympics? And will the stadiums be done on time, and what happens with the Rugby World Cup? My sense is that Mr. Masazoe will take the lead, and Mr. Masazoe will throw it open to the people. It was looking for a long time, especially with the, the appointment of big corporate bigwigs to the, the, many of the committees, that this was going to be the, if you want to put it bluntly, the Dentsu Zaikai Olympics, where mm -hmm. big business would be, you know, Car companies would be would be showing off their vehicles. Electronics companies would be showing off their electronics, and they would be bankrolling the whole thing. They'd build pavilions. They would. It would be half of an ad, half ad, you know, half sports festival. That might not come true now because of the the real hit to the organizational acumen, if you want to call it, of, of uh, the LDP and Mr. Abe. He simply can't hand it off to, mm -hmm. to his Zaikai friends because everybody's already on a hair trigger in terms of, of what he can get away with. Right. So there's going to be someone appointed to take over from Mr. Mori. He can't survive. Whether Mr. Hakabun can continue at, at Mext, he's a longtime associate of Mr. Abe's and he has yet to... Uh, do anything revolutionary at the ministry, and he has all kinds of plans to do mm -hmm. so, and he's been holding back, uh, he might, it'll be hard for him to stay on, but one of those two has to go. Right. Uh, because 
one of them has to take the fall. Well, I think um, given your your past history of successfully predicting things that have such a political impact, I think uh, people should pay attention to those those predictions. I certainly will. But I think the just to, to, to wrap this thing up, there. I believe that there is a strong desire to escape the suggestion of impropriety. And I think that it has been suggested, very suggested, mm -hmm. that people have their hands all the way up to the elbows in, in this bowl mm -hmm. that is called the 2020 Olympics. And they've been caught and now they need to extract it and kind of create some distance. Okay, let's be fair. No one, no, no one is going to jail. This is just purely a lack of responsibility. This is not, you know, People oh, it's, actually it's forward planning, actually, well, or planning of any kind. Right. You know, this this, this is just simply people who have been showing up and not deciding things mm -hmm. uh, that has led to the situation we have now. That's not the same as people actively, per, you know, emptying bank accounts and sure. shipping money over to Switzerland. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about a form of corruption that's slow and and actually, you know, kind of friendly. Right. Uh, that's have the you, way have, it's kind of done, though. In some ways, yes, right. but the, the, this is an international festival and there are international uh, expectations of it. And repercussions. And repercussions. Yes. In the case of the 2002 World Cup, it's very possible that the joint hosting with South Korea pushed Japanese interests to be extra, extra careful mm -hmm. about everything they were doing right. uh, and being you know, extra focused where, because they were in competition with the other side. Mm -hmm. Here, there's been a lackadaisical attitude. Now, Japan has managed to put on a number of Winter Olympics, uh, some of which were kind of dodgy. The Nagano Olympics was so dodgy that the uh, people involved burnt all of the records so that no one would be able to look at what they did in order to get the Olympics and put them on. And eventually the person who was the main organizer, he of course got caught for fraud. That's Mr. Yoshimitsurumi. Uh, these these things uh, are tricky, mm -hmm. and unless you have someone there who is basically a tin pot dictator to point in various directions, you do this, you do that. Mm -hmm. It's not going to fly. Well, it's it's really interesting, and I think it's it's appropriate for us to talk about this as a burning issue because, you know, really, who would have thought that the stadium debacle would have had such a political impact, you know, three months ago. I mean, we were, it, the stadium wasn't even completely demolished at that point. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to watch these things and to, to study them and perhaps predict, you know, other things that will happen as a result of that, which is one of the, the reasons why we have these discussions. Well, the, the story right now is framed in a greater story of irresponsibility that's set up by the Toshiba scandal. Yes. There. There we have three, uh, for the current president and th two former presidents resigning for billions of dollars of phony accounting. Mm -hmm. Just massive fraud committed not just in one division, but all across the company, cooking of books in order to appear to be doing better. And this is one of the really admired companies of Japan and one with solid products and so a solid record. What the heck happened? Yes. And the uh, association of the government with Toshiba is quite strong. Uh, Toshiba's former chairman, Mr. Nishimuro, was appointed by Mr. Abe to be the head of Japan Post. 
Uh, he's also been on various of the advisory committees. So Toshiba is bought into the Abe administration as, as a major player. Having this fraud just erodes whatever sure. confidence people have. Well, not that they, they didn't suspect that there was cooking of books, but that it was so easily proven. Mm -hmm. uh, half the board is resigned, yes, but if there were any justice, a lot of people would be going to jail. We didn't see anyone go to jail in the Olympus scandal, where right. there was similar cooking of the books. We probably won't see anything happen here. And this, this sense that members of the Zaikai, the large business community, can get away with robbery. Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, robbing the shareholders by stating false values. That is going to breed cynicism and right. corrosive feelings so that when anyone comes up with the new stadium plan, they say, oh, yeah, I'm, right. sure, I'm sure that's what it's going to cost. Mm -hmm. Well, that's one of the corrosive dangers, isn't it? That this is just um, representative of how other Japanese companies are run mm -hmm. or how other grand projects that are managed by the government or the government and a government entity, you can expect this and, you know, it's not going to come out great for the taxpayers. That, that suggestion, that that kind of insidious cancer that just begins to pervade all sorts of discussions just stops everything dead in its tracks. Well, if, if you don't take responsibility starting off, mm -hmm. maybe you'll get away with it. But this government you know, particularly talked about its ability to get things done and to get things done right. Mm -hmm. And on time, they're very, very excited about getting things done on time. And somehow this Olympics stadium didn't meet any of its expectations. Well, hopefully members of the Japanese cabinet and members of the zeitgeist are watching this Tokyo on fire as well, and let's hope that they take this to heart. And I'd like to wrap up this episode of Tokyo on Fire. Our burning issue today has been the Tokyo Olympics. One of the reasons why we host Tokyo on Fire to talk about these issues and hopefully engender a conversation or at least broadcast these issues to a wider audience. You can contact us via Twitter by using hashtag Tokyo on Fire. You can also post comments to us at comments at tokyoonfire.com. We also encourage you to post your comments directly on YouTube in the dialogue box. That way, other people can see that, feed off of your energy, maybe have a point that you have mentioned that they would like to take to a different level. It's a great opportunity for us to enrich this conversation, which is one of the, the whole goals of Tokyo on Fire. We're also available on iTunes. Thank you very much for watching. See you next week.